0: Today I Never Was a Gamer, thank god we don't need quarters anymore because I am about to lose a lot. Welcome to Never Was a Gamer, the show where a late-blooming gamer makes up for lost time playing everyone else's formative games. I'm Michelle, and with me as always is the convener of this demonic tournament, Dimitri. Demonic? I don't think it's demonic. It's not demonic?
1: I'm just attracting tourists to my nation-state island.
0: Then why are there so many flames? And it's all red and black.
1: What are you talking about?
0: Mortal Kombat! <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> so I guess Michelle knows something about Mortal Kombat. Yeah, we're doing.
0: Black, red, gold, <laughs> flames.
1: <laughs> demonic. Demonic. I guess we're uh, playing the demonic game Mortal Kombat, but we're not just doing Mortal Kombat. We're doing a 90s showdown Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter. We're doing fighting games.
0: Is this going to reveal something profound about my identity, like which one I end up liking better?
1: Yes. And. We'll tell you what it means about you at the end of the next episode. Perfect. But yeah, we're doing fighting games. It's a genre that Michelle is not very familiar with. Correct. It is a genre I am quite familiar with from my youth, but very bad at. (laughs) So we'll see how this goes. This is not going to be an expert's take on fighting games by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to get good at these straight up. (laughs) I I just don't believe that I can or that like two weeks is enough.
1: (laughs) But we will try our best, and there are legitimate reasons we're doing fighting games, one of which is just that it's a really important game genre that you're not very familiar with. Mm -hmm. And what better way to get more acquainted with it than through Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter? And then maybe even more importantly, I think playing some fighting games and doing your best at some fighting games might be (laughs) good preparation for your eventual encounter with the From Software game.
0: I have some guesses as to why you would say that. Do you want to hear them? Sure. So I think that one of the things that is required of a player to be good at a fighting game, as opposed to playing them the way I have pl- played them the couple times that I have, is to be very attentive to what the other person, player or uh, or computer player is actually doing and responding to it with control and specificity, i.e., not button mashing.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. That is an ideal. Yeah. Again, I don't know if I've ever met that ideal. Great. <laughs> in a fighting game. <laughs> but yes, I think the process of being patient, studying an opponent's fighting style,
0: reading their movements.
1: Yeah. And reacting to those movements. Yeah. And becoming kind of one with your character. Right. And where your reflexes and your character are really in sync. Is a, an important part of fighting games that will be a, a very good transferable skill. Okay. To a FromSoft game,
0: I'm glad I was right about this. I actually one of the things that's one of the things I most want to focus on with this. Like okay. apart from everything else, I want to I want to try really hard to push past my like getting fed up and just button mashing mm-hmm. <laughs> instinct. Mm-hmm. I want to try to be better than that. Not good, but better than that.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of these skills will will come across. Um, Again, when you're playing a fighting game, you want to look for openings. You really want to understand how your moves chain together, um, how to chain them together, when you want to back off. Oh, God. When you want to be patient, when you want to be aggressive. Always. See, this is the, <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing that we want want to address.
0: I'm curious about whether what I know of your approach to playing games generally will help me... Predict
1: you? <laughs> What's that
0: supposed to mean? You're not a patient player. <laughs> I would call you easily provoked or like lured. You know, like easily lured. Having trouble passing up a, a perceived opening. That's what. I, <laughs> that's what I think. I doubt I'll get good enough to really take advantage of that. But I'm but curious. We'll, we'll
1: see if you can. And yeah, by the end of this, our battles will be a, a beautiful dance. I'm sure. <laughs> or just a button mashing mess, most likely. But as usual, before we dig into the broader history of these games, we should figure out what you do know about them. So we can start with um, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and then dig into your history with any fighting games more generally that you might have played.
0: Yeah. So I actually, when I was really small, played like a touch of Mortal Kombat. I think I would have played the one that was on the Super Nintendo, but it it wasn't like I didn't play it a lot. I probably never got past like the third guy in like one player tournament mode. Like I said, very button mashy. And I think most of what most of what me and my brothers used it for at that point was just like setting up sick finish him scenarios like where I remember you like uppercut a guy and he would fall into the pit. Okay. So you
1: you have a a Mortal Kombat history. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I think it's superficial.
0: Up, it's very superficial. I think setting up,
1: yeah, fatalities is a is a common way to play that game. Yeah. especially when you first get it.
0: It was purely like stunt and gore simulator for us <laughs> for quite a while, um, and then I kind of bounced off fighting games pretty completely. My my so no
1: history with Street Fighter.
0: I, I don't think I have ever played Street Fighter. I don't hmm. know that I've ever even watched anyone play Street Whoa. Fighter. Even I've been thinking about the couple of times I've been to barcades as an adult. I don't think I've played it or really like hovered around and watched it even. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm so in the dark on Street Fighter. And so so after that little dabble with a touch of Mortal Kombat, I mean, my brothers went on to uh, Smash was always in our house. My brothers actually were relatively serious Smash players for amateurs. Like one of them was in some regional tournaments and stuff. Like they're they're both good. Uh, and I just never, <laughs> like the, this was the era where I just like kind of bounced off games mostly all together with a few exceptions. So I really didn't pick up anything again until, oh, I'm going to say it's only about a year or two ago, we started playing a little bit of Smash in in anticipation of um of ultimate coming out or
1: oh, yeah we practiced on ultimate because yeah. we got ultimate and we needed to prepare so we could take on my brothers
0: yes it, it was did our not big work christmas showdown <laughs> yeah. which like boy did i get stomped. <laughs> i was not a contender
1: but you did i remember when we first got that decide to at least for a little bit try to take it seriously learn a character yeah um you can let people know which character you decided to to go with
0: i loved playing king k rule <laughs> i love a big boy. I love his his uh, his brutality and his like weight um so yeah I, I mostly played K-roll
1: So is that what you look for in a character generally based on the your kind of short history with fighting games or is that what you think? is the kind of character that you would like to play as?
0: Not necessarily cuz I think my my sort of main alternate was I'm going to say Link although it's been a while like a sword guy. Oh right yeah. And so I think you know you you're in the mood for different things at different times. I don't I really do not feel committed to one particular like type of guy that I want to mm. be. I think you know as I've said before I love the Donkey Kong series. K. Rule just has a grody bigness to him that I, I just really liked and related to. He has some useful longer range attacks, which was good for me when I was cheesing and being a coward and trying to stay out of the fray, but still do some damage. Um, so I'm not wedded to that. But that's that's kind of mostly where I ended up.
1: Right. And obviously, Smash, for so many reasons, is such a different type of game. Mm-hmm. But especially because when we play, we usually play four player. Yeah. And so you don't have to have those one-on-one confrontations until the very end. So you can pick a character who's really good at just, yeah, jumping into the fray, causing some chaos, and then getting out before (laughs) you can really get hit without having to have that one-on-one battle.
0: Yeah, I really had no illusions of being number one in most of these. I really Mm -hmm. mostly just wanted to cause some chaos on the way to whoever was going to win.
1: Yeah, and sadly... Again, why I probably won't be much help. That's kind of also how I play Smash, where <laughs> I'm pretty good when there's a fray and then it's and I, I can make it to the final two pretty consistently and yeah. then when that happens, I'm it's, done. It's
0: done. Yeah. There is one specific thing that I think I learned about from Smash about fighting games generally, which is that I think on some level you either like vibe with the controls of a game or a character, or you just don't. Hmm. Obviously, everything is learnable, right? It's not like that's an insurmountable thing. But I think I got a sense from deciding how to pick a character and, like, trying a couple and gradually coming around to the ones that feel good. I think there's something, like, imprecise and uh, sort of intangible about, like, what just feels right and, like, clicks with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of really fun. Like, you know, there's a lot of sword guys. And I, I picked... Link specifically. Like Link was my sword guy. Right. Um, not the other ones. And there are differences and there were reasons for that. So I don't know. I found that I found that interesting. The other thing is when we started playing, um, especially when it was just you and I, honestly, because we kind of got to the point where like I'd say you beat me three out of four times or four out of five times, but there was always like enough of a chance that if I Mm -hmm. had an especially good run, it could be an upset. That it stayed fun. And I I remember distinctly having the thought at one point like, I missed out on so many years of this because all I needed was for someone to go slow with me for like a couple of rounds. Mm. You know, like I Mm -hmm. think within one session or sitting, you and I got to a point where you know, we, I wasn't competitive with you yet, but like we were, we were doing it, you know, we were like playing the game. And so, and that's not a shot at my brothers or at anyone. It just was like a moment when I felt like kind of almost like, like grief, like, oh, man, I could have been having such a good time with this for all this time, which I don't usually have, but I did in this specific case.
1: And that's the one thing, at least that as kind of a casual player, I look forward in fighting games too. where, of course, we'll never be competitive with the pros, but Mm -hmm. a game that somebody who's been playing for a few weeks can pass the controller to somebody who's picking it up for the first time. And within a few rounds, that person is is competitive or relatively competitive and doesn't get smoked every time. Yeah. Because, yeah, you you really need it to be somewhat competitive and be of equal playing levels for it to be for it to be fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And yeah, that was that was very much my history with fighting games, playing with my brothers or especially my cousin. My cousin and I would just play especially these two games, Mortal Kombat 2 and usually Super Street Fighter 2. OK, those would be the ones we played and, and we'll definitely play those. And we, yeah, we play those for hours and hours and hours and hours and probably rack up a pretty even Win loss record. That's so
0: fun. I do have one of my big questions for this episode: is do these games stay fun if you don't only have access to people you're somewhat evenly matched with, or how do they manage that in terms of of spikes? Like, do
1: um, you mean playing the single player?
0: No, I mean, I mean in in one v one, like do these games stay fun if the people that you are playing with most of the time are not close to your skill level? Like is there does the game figure out ways to compensate for that or make that still pleasurable in some way?
1: I mean, some games would have ways where you could, for example, give somebody less health or they'd take more damage. Okay. Um I never really played around with those because again, i we the people I play with usually run were we' were usually on pretty equal skill levels. Yeah. But especially the home console versions did let you play around with those parameters a little bit. Okay. But yeah, the other part of this that that I always found really fun and hopefully we'll be able to experience as we play through these two is when you're playing against somebody and they're using the same character and using similar tricks and you just can't kind of get through that wall, but you can recognize what they're doing mm-hmm. and then you figure out who, which character to pick to mitigate <laughs> right, right, that. Right, right, right. That it is almost like this rock, paper, scissors between the characters themselves, like a very intricate, complex game of rock, paper, scissors.
0: That's so interesting because I feel like I've seen, especially you and your brothers do this, where like every every match or two, someone is changing who they are and then that causes someone, and I've never really like- Oh, in Smash, under yeah. in, in Smash, sorry. And I've never, I never really understood if there's like a logic to that or you just getting bored with your people. But of course, it makes perfect sense now that you've said it that like- you're getting sick of, you know, suffering this one attack from King DDD and like, oh, I know how I can fight that. That's with this other guy.
1: Yeah. And so that process is, is really fun. And getting to know the characters in that way and knowing who is strong against who is, is really a, a part of the process.
0: That's cool. It's that pretty, makes sense. It's
1: pretty enjoyable. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to who you start with in both of these games. And we'll determine that by the end of the episode. And then... As you go through and learning about more of the characters, who you actually end up playing and if it if it tracks to who you thought you'd actually enjoy.
0: Yeah, that'll be really cool. I think the the defining feature of these for me, these are like peak play with your friends on the couch games, right? This is just like I, I don't know how to explain the extent to which I have literally never had that experience, <laughs> like until really the last year or whatever, when we started playing a bit of Smash with with your brothers as well. I I think I talked about this in in the uh, episode zero where we sort of set up this podcast, but like, just want to stress again, like I, growing up, I literally never went to a friend's house and played a game. I literally never had a friend over to play a game at my house. Like there's a whole world of this like um, long competitive sessions like passing the control around that like I saw happening with my brothers and their friends Mm -hmm. and like I can picture so easily like you and your brothers and your cousin and like whatever miscellaneous other friends happen to be around like having this like fun time together with this thing and that's that's so foreign like this this whole genre feels so far away to me because of like the lack of this experience and in some ways I do kind of feel like I'll just never Mm -hmm. catch up Mm -hmm. with people who have been playing these their whole lives even if like you they're not like a super serious player about mm-hmm. them but just like came up with the familiarity with how those things were evolving so i'm i'm sort of interested in whether i don't know what this will be like i this and mmos i think are the two genres of game that i feel furthest away from mm-hmm. and that feel least accessible to me specifically because of this thing
1: and we're not touching them no we're
0: not touching mmos addictive I
1: f- personality i, know. In this household. No,
0: I I cannot do it. We will not do it. We won't do it. But um, yeah, it's like this is. But you're right. I, that I'm, is... I'm curious about the the actual games themselves. But mm-hmm. I also I feel like the experience of this more than a lot of other games yeah, is really is,
1: important. That is such an important part of the experience for me, especially because I I guess 90s fighting games were maybe at the peak of when. I'd also have friends over to play games.
0: Yeah, you're that age, right? Where like people are over at each other's houses all the time?
1: Yeah, and like when my when my friends would play games was kind of that it kind of also ended kind of ended with the N64. Okay. Like we'd play Goldeneye together and kind of after that a lot of my friends drifted off and didn't really play games mm-hmm. seriously. And so and, but at least by that time my brothers and my cousins were older, so right, right. we could do that together. But yeah, just having people over, having sleepovers Playing fighting games all night, getting yeah. like, pizza and chips and pop, and just being disgusting. That
0: sounds so fun! I want to be disgusting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's try. To I would have been great at that. <laughs> let's try to recreate some of that experience.
0: Awesome.
1: So you've mentioned that you did have a history with Mortal Kombat. Since you said you don't really know much about
0: Street Fighter, do you know anything about Street Fighter? Do you know any of the characters? Okay, let me hit you with what I know about Street Fighter. Okay. this is going to take two seconds. <laughs> okay. I think Street Fighter Two is the one people really love. I know it started at arcades. I think it's less like fa- fantasy than Mortal Kombat. Like, I think the characters are a little bit more like human-y. Um, the
1: street part kind of give that yeah, away?
0: <laughs> it's more like... Versus
1: Mortal more Kombat. More of
0: a daytime kind of look. <laughs> um, I think one of them is Ryu. I think, okay. I think one of them is Chun-Li. Okay. Who's the lady with the like sick, thick, thick uh, thighs. <laughs> telling myself a little right now. But yeah, and the little buns with... The, yeah. I think okay. Chun-Li is in this one. She's She's a fighter in one of these. I think it's this. Uh, there's a movie. I haven't seen it. Every time someone brings up Street Fighter for a second my brain thinks that it's a it's a beat em up until I correct oh, myself and we, I'm like, no, no, it's a one it's a one on one. Yeah, and
1: you're probably thinking either like Final Fight or Streets of Rage. Right. Or putting yes. those together, which I, are both. I think that's a hundred percent is another Sitting on the couch eating disgusting food genre that we need to play one day. Right,
0: right, right. Uh, So I don't, I also don't know if Street Fighter is still going. I know Mortal Kombat is 11 came out like whatever, not too long ago. Um, I have no idea the status of this franchise. Street Fighter is still going. Okay, great. I mean, I guess great, like for them. (laughs) Question mark. I know much more about Mortal Kombat.
1: Okay, so what do you know about Mortal Kombat?
0: Okay, Mortal Kombat. Apart from the colors, Tournament to the Death. There's some it's convened by or in service of or something to do with gods. Uh, I don't really remember the lore. There are gods involved. Something like that. Okay. I know there's finishing moves. There's the space called the pit that you would guys would fall into. Also a movie, which I did see, but I remember nothing about.
1: Okay. So we'll probably watch the movies too. In yes. Then.
0: Yes. I want this. I think the one-player mode in that is literally just like playing your way up the ranks by fighting guys one-on-one.
1: So that is that is the one-player mode in most fighting games. Okay. Up until very recently when they started having more elaborate story modes.
0: Okay. I think there were unlockable characters in that, but I can't remember if I'm just like, because I know that about Smash, if I'm just like pasting it mm. onto Mortal Kombat. And I remember a bunch of the characters. Um, I remember Katana, Goro, Liu Kang, Raiden. Shang Tsung, oh, Sub Zero, and Scorpion, who are who are palette swaps of each other, but their moves are different. I think. Um, I think even as a kid, I noticed that and was like, "Come on." Uh, the one who is a, a action movie star, who I think is Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade, who's a military lady. Um, so yeah, I think more of them are like huh. fantasy, like uh, outrageous sort of characters than. At least the characters I think I know from Street Fighter are, like, very much humans.
1: That is very impressive name recall. Thank you. What's really interesting is that they're, apart from one character, they're all Mortal Kombat 1 characters, and one character is a Mortal Kombat 2 character. Oh. So I, I wonder which you, one you, you, I mean, you must have played 2 if you know the I character guess. from 2.
0: I guess. I definitely, I have, I definitely have played as all of the characters I just named at some wow. point. Wow, okay. Wait, maybe not Shang Tsung. See the see the big bad. I don't remember, (laughs) but everyone else for sure. I have like a very exciting yeah, (laughs) (laughs) a wealth of knowledge (laughs) as usual. (laughs) Oh, and I know that um, with at least with Mortal Kombat, different fighters play very differently. They have very different move sets, um, and part of the part of the whole thing was like learning how to get good at any particular character's like move combinations which often were like multiple button presses for like one specific move. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a big part of the learning curve as I remember it.
1: Okay. Yeah. And what I'm really excited about for the next episode is for you to come back and articulate both that, like the differences between characters in the games Mm -hmm. and the differences between both of the games. I I really want to hear you explain what you think is the essential... Like mechanical difference between Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Awesome. I think yeah. That'll be really.
0: I have no guess. <laughs> fun.
1: dig into the history of Street Fighter a little bit, since it's probably the most famous and influential fighting game series of all time. And it's still kind of shocking that you know so much more about Mortal Kombat than you do about (laughs) Street Fighter. I find that so interesting. One of the curious things that I noticed as I was preparing is Street Fighter 2 is actually the oldest game that we've played so far. Oh, whoa. And will be the oldest game, at least until we get through your FromSoft game. So this is, this is going back in time.
0: Wow, my chronology is all messed up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the arcade version of Street Fighter dates back to 1991. Right. And then the console version came out um, in 1992, which was very, very early in the Super Nintendo's life cycle.
0: I'm kind of surprised how quick that was.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was there was huge demand. Okay. And as we'll get into, Capcom, the developer of Street Fighter, had a lot of tricks up its sleeve. To release a home version, but still keep people coming to the arcades. Oh, okay. Yeah. But to give you a little bit of a, a context about 1991 and especially the arcade experience of 1991, before Street Fighter, arcades were really dominated at this point by the beat em ups. Okay. Like A Final Fight,
0: the Turtles in Time. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Which is, I think the one that we've played.
1: Yeah, we've played that and, and shooters as well kind of dominated the arcade space. Yeah. Prior to Street Fighter 2, there were not a lot of fighting games. And then, After Street Fighter 2, arcades just became saturated by fighting games. Okay, As you noted, the one that is the popular one is Street Fighter 2.
0: Okay, so I was right about that. This is
1: kind of usually where the chronology starts. The question is, what is Street Fighter 1? Is there a Street (laughs) Fighter 1? And so there is a Street Fighter 1. The original Street Fighter was released in arcades in 1987. And it's one of the earliest, not the earliest, but one of the earliest arcade fighting games offering... Single player and two player competitive modes. Uh, this was Capcom's first fighting game, and in this one, there were just two playable characters, Ryu and Ken, who nice, did Ryu, yeah, who both made their way to subsequent Street Fighters. But if you're playing single player mode, you'd be paired up against a number of characters who weren't playable, and a lot of those characters appeared in later Street Fighter games. Okay, some of them appear in Street Fighter Two, and then. Over the course of the Street Fighter history, other ones from the original Street Fighter started becoming okay. characters. Does that become
0: and- like a fan favorite, like kind of Easter eggy thing?
1: A little bit. I don't know I don't know if I'd say fan favorite because again, the original Street Fighter was not played by a ton of people. Right, it is, right. But it did a lot of things, that were innovative for the time. It set up the six button control scheme, which carried over to all subsequent Street Fighters.
0: And that we're just talking up, down, left, right, A B?
1: No. Oh, yeah. You did mention this actually when we were prepping, thi- imagining a joystick with just like a joystick and then two buttons.
0: Yeah. I'm hearing no.
1: <laughs> so when you when you played Mortal Kombat, you just remember two buttons?
0: Uh, I mean, I'm sure if I think about that a little more, it's probably wrong. I mean, I, I think I played on the Super Nintendo, so it would have had more than two buttons.
1: Right. And you use more than two buttons. So the, the thing that Street Fighter innovated was this idea of you have your joystick, so your movement, and then... Three punch buttons and three kick buttons.
0: Oh, okay. You kind
1: of have a strong, medium, and fierce levels of, <laughs> of punch and kick. Or light, medium, and strong. But um, at least some of the games definitely use the fierce nomenclature. I love
0: it. Everything macho in the 80s became gay in the 90s. <laughs> the best.
1: <laughs> so the original Street Fighter had that control scheme. Each character had unique, special moves, which was new for the time. These moves that were unique to the characters, and the game didn't really communicate to the player how to do them. You just kind of had to figure it out. So there's this kind of magical, exciting element to the game where where the game is full of secrets.
0: Oh, I remember this too, sometimes being sometimes playing and being like, how did you do that? Like someone would yeah. execute something and you'd be like, I have no idea what that button combo
1: was. Yeah. And that is such an essential part of okay, especially cool. the arcade experience. Right. And watching people at the arcades Especially when you're a kid and watching, like, I say older people now, they're probably like 13.
0: Right. <laughs> Big kids.
1: But, you know, pull off these moves and you don't know how they're done. And you just see kind of amazing things happening before your eyes and you don't know how to do them. And then, of course, you want to rush out and buy a magazine that might have some of these tips in there.
0: How convenient. The player's <laughs> guide strikes again. <laughs>
1: yeah. And the other thing that this game had that all really subsequent fighting games had was the basic three round structure. Like, can you right, win right. two out of three?
0: Best two out of three. Yeah. yeah. And so Street Fighter was
1: in the arcade, but wasn't technologically competent enough to become a hit. And the precision of the controls wasn't there. So your character wouldn't always do what you were hoping they would do.
0: That would be fatal for a fighting game. It,
1: right. Yeah. Right. Like the ideal of the fighting game is that there is this like this synergy between yeah. right, you and your character that the inputs are completely mapped to the, to what the character actually does. And that just wasn't there due to a lot of technological constraints at the time. Okay. And so what happened was that the, the creator of this Street Fighter Takashi Nishiyama left Capcom and actually joined SNK, where he then helped create Fatal Fury, one of Street Fighter's biggest competitors, especially before Mortal Kombat. But then internally at Capcom, fears went by and there was this push to revive this Street Fighter brand. And so the person that Capcom puts on this project is this guy named Yoshiki Okamoto, who joined Capcom in 1984 After being fired from Konami, because Konami had told him to make a driving game, and he made a shooter instead. And he he kind of has this history of just being a troublemaker.
0: How does that get that far along? (laughs) (laughs) It's like no one checked on him until...
1: But if people are interested, yeah, just Google Yoshiki Okamoto, and there are some wild stories of him just kind of causing chaos, being a, a really kind of creative chaos element at Capcom. Great. And he was joined by designers Akira Nishitani and Akira Yasuda, who also worked on Final Fight. Okay, so there actually is a very close connection between these between nice. these games. For me, anyway, the connection is those big, beautiful, chunky sprites. Oh, like they're the character big. sprites, yeah, and beefy, beefy. Yeah, and, and again, I remember seeing those at arcades. Actually, they wouldn't have been in arcades when I first saw them because I would have been so young at this point. Where I saw these games for the first time was at the airport. <laughs> what? I don't know if I've talked about this before, but the airport in Montreal had pretty decent selection of arcade cabinets. Whoa. And it was the it was the airport where all the international flights would go. So whenever I had family visiting or coming back from Greece, mm-hmm. we'd go to pick them up. And it, going to the airport to pick up somebody or drop somebody off was so exciting because I get to go check out the arcade <laughs> cabinets. And yeah, they had... I remember when they got Street Fighter and I remember... I remember that they had final fight. Okay, I just remember seeing those and thinking that those are the most beautiful, amazing graphics I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> like I just wanted to go and play with those like big, beefy yeah. characters. They're
0: like two thirds the height of the screen. Mm-hmm. They they like take the whole the whole space. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so in my mind, those those two games are also always going to be linked, just because I always saw them kind of side by side, and they both were so appealing to me. <laughs> But this team at Capcom then were put on this Street Fighter project and ultimately released it in 1991 in arcades. And this was an absolute arcade revolution. At this point, the popularity of arcades was waning. The popularity of beat-em-ups was on the decline, especially as now people could play a lot of these games at home on their consoles. And, And it was really Street Fighter that brought life back into the arcades. And in, a, and in an interview with Okamoto, he talked about how competitive fighting games are actually the perfect arcade experience because they make everybody happy. They make the arcade owners happy because a lot of people want to play competitively, so they're getting twice the money. Right, right. Rounds are relatively quick, so people are feeding it to keep playing right. pretty quickly. And because it's two players, the player who loses only has themselves to blame. Mm. Whereas if they're playing a, a single-player game or a game against computer AI, there is a tendency... To get kind of upset at the AI, which in a lot of cases was legitimate. A lot of cases, arcade cabinets or arcade games had AI that was quite unfair because they they want you to lose. So you keep feeding it coins. They right, can't it's like
0: the... carnival stuff. Exactly. Like if, yeah. this is a carnival attraction.
1: <laughs> and certain games, the the arcade owners could even bump up the difficulty themselves okay. depending on what where they need it to be to kind of keep customers generally happy, but also right. keep them feeding the machines. Right. But when you're playing two players in a fighting game, you really only have your own skill levels to blame when you're playing against a human. So, you can't blame the machine, you can't blame the arcade owner. No
0: complaints to the owner.
1: And so this team begins developing this competitive fighting game, and Okamoto also says that at the at that point, the artists and the programmers were almost competing internally on who could create the coolest characters. Cool. And technology at this point was good enough that they could be fully realized in these big beautiful sprites, and at the same time, the technology was Good enough that the game did a much better job at recognizing joystick inputs. So your character actually performed the actions you wanted them to every time.
0: Which is such a big deal.
1: And Street Fighter 2 could recognize not just a quick series of button inputs, but really complex motions, like rolling the joystick from down to back Mm. in a single motion. Right, right, right. And so as you'll see, a lot of the special moves have you kind of doing fluid motions with the joystick, or probably in your case, the D-pad followed by a button press, okay, which is slightly different than how Mortal Kombat plays. The original Street Fighter had eight playable characters, all with unique moves, really unique character design, and four boss characters that at this point were unplayable. Hmm. And so I've actually sent you some of the concept art for these characters, early designs, some of which you recognize. So everything we talk about, will tweet out. So if you're listening and are, and are curious what we're looking at, you can you can look at it too.
0: Oh, I kind of recognize some of these guys.
1: Yeah, it's it's coming. It's yeah. These characters are kind of becoming the, more familiar.
0: The guy who kind of looks like Barrett kinda from Final like... Fantasy VII. He's like really barrel chested and oh. he's like a big bear.
1: Yeah. So at this point, so that's that's a character is Zangief, and we'll we can get into him later. He's, okay. He's Russian. Um. At this point, Okamoto kind of released this concept art, and it I, it's been translated, and so you can see kind of what the original names were for a lot of these mm-hmm. characters. Um. At this point, this character was named Vodka Gorbovsky. <laughs> okay. All right, which has <laughs> <laughs> changed. Um, you see there Ryu, mm-hmm. which is kind of the maybe the most iconic Street Fighter character, the one that you recognized. Yep. Um, along with Chun Li. Yep,
0: yeah, but not not her final form, Chun Li, not not really showing her most distinctive feature.
1: The 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 thighs.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean the thighs. It's there
0: a little bit in the in the full body sketch, but and
1: the thighs really developed over time. Okay. <laughs> Okay, if great. You, if you follow her trajectory, <laughs> she's been doing leg day between the games as well. But yeah, in this in this case, she was just known as Chinese girl. Okay. Do you recognize any of these other characters?
0: Uh I mean, I know that one is clearly like based on loosely around Vishnu, the Hindu god. <laughs> I don't recognize him as a fighting character. I recognize him as from the world.
1: Right. So this is a character at this point, um, nicknamed Indo. Mm-hmm. So some characters were fully kind of thought out as characters and everybody else was like okay what like what countries do we want represented and sure. then we we'll build a character around that. That sure. was one of the strategies here. So that character becomes Dalsim, and and there is quite a difference in what that what the final design looks like. Okay. And then another character you see there is an early design for the character that would become Blanca at this at this point.
0: Oh, I know Blanca. He's
1: known as Beast Man.
0: He's like green, right? He's like kind of a monster.
1: Okay, so you do know these char- Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. This is com- this is coming to me now. Okay, I, I would never have recognized him from this.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm glad that some things are coming back because a lot of these characters are so iconic within just gaming in general. I mean, a bunch of these characters were in Wreck-It Ralph.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know Blanca so for sure. It's all coming back to you. So I would say some of it is coming <laughs> back to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and actually, if you look at this other character art, you get to see a bit of a trajectory, a transition that Blanca took into this kind of final beastie form where... He started out as like a luchador. Yeah, he kind of started as a luchador, then turned into like a ninja, (laughs) and then finally into this green beast man.
0: Yeah, definitely the most drastic transformation of any of
1: these. And so when developing these characters, Okamoto and his team wanted, again, a variety, but also some characters that kind of anybody can play, the normal character. Okay. so. For the Japanese audience, those are pretty much Ken and Ryu.
0: Okay. The ones that were in number one.
1: They're, yeah. Playable ones, in one. Yeah. The ones who are playable in one. And especially Ryu has kind of become one of the main faces of Street Fighter. And right, he's like your, he's like your Mario of Street Fighter.
0: Yeah. He's just a guy. Yeah. Like the, a most, guy, the most basic neutral He's a guy who's character. good at fighting.
1: <laughs> but to appeal to the American audience, they also wanted a neutral character, kind of the average stat normal character that would appeal to Americans. <laughs> and that character is Guile. Okay. And it wasn't until I was going back and looking at some of the magazines from the early 90s and especially the Nintendo Powers where I realized, "Oh my god, they really were trying to force Guile on us as like <laughs> the character that you should play if you're I guess in North America." Like he's
0: in all the ads and all the promos and everything.
1: He's in he's in a lot of them. He was very heavily featured in Nintendo Power, and okay. so I just want you to look at this cover and let me know what you think about Guile.
0: Oh my god, Max Pander, this is this is like almost a Toms of Finland <laughs> sketch.
1: <laughs> this sketch is wild.
0: It's just like a,
1: anatomically, he's breaking his leg or like his his own leg is being twisted because he's trying to do a kick.
0: I mean, I think I've I've seen too many women's bodies drawn in these things to really pick that up but yeah he's like blonde spiky bart simpson hair with in his full military gear tanned and ripped like a like a professional wrestler of this era clear american flag tattoo on his bicep visible it's just like it's it's just such a we're like you all american
1: so are you not familiar with this character
0: no okay. i I I can't tell if it's if it's starting to look a little familiar or if I'm just, you know, it's one of these. It, like <laughs> right. how many how many like slightly spiky hair military dudes are there in games? The answer is a lot. And, and this
1: seemed to be a Nintendo Power thing specifically, like all of the comments about the hair on the front cover. It's like Street Fighter 2, picture of Guile, hair raising action. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it sure did do that.
1: On the inside, on the feature article again, huge picture of Guile, and yeah. then it's introducing the characters, and there's Guile from
0: behind with an American flag, pr- like prominent in the background. Right,
1: he is the representative of the U.S., even though Ken is also a representative of the U.S., but this is the this is the pander to the American audience, <laughs> or at least from the Japanese perspective. And then, then yeah, his the little caption under Guile says, "Watch the hair, man." God. because i guess they thought that that would be the the appealing feature the thing is though
0: like this military guy is also vain about, <laughs> about his hair
1: the thing is though in the original street fighter even though guy was supposed to be kind of the normal character for the american audience mm-hmm. he was incredibly unbalanced and overpowered okay so he he actually became incredibly popular for different reasons okay. because <laughs> he was the best character to possibly play as wow so with this cast of characters who looked like nothing else at the arcades at this time, this game absolutely blows up the arcades and inspires really a deluge of other fighting games, which leads to this fighting game boom of the early to mid 90s and an arcade subculture that developed around fighting games and Street Fighter in particular. Cool. In all magazines at at this time, it's it's really hard to overstate this, how this was acknowledged time and time again as the hottest game in in the arcades. Many pages were devoted to Street Fighter 2 before it was even announced for consoles. So many questions in these magazines were from players asking about Street Fighter (laughs) 2.
0: That they can't play yet,
1: Or they can play at the arcade. Right, right, right. They just can't play at home. But asking in these magazines, often asking, have you heard, is it coming to consoles? (laughs) Is a question that's repeated time and time again? What are some tricks or tips that you might have known? Is Mm -hmm. this rumor I heard true? There were some wild rumors. We'll get into some of the more elaborate ones. Okay, cool. Next time. But some of the things I just saw people asking about, asking about hidden characters, asking about if certain glitches they heard about were real, some of cool. which were, asking about a rumor that, okay, so you, did you, you know the sumo character, e Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so there were rumors in one of them saying that they heard that there's a certain frame of animation in one of his moves, and if you look closely or pause at that frame, you can see his junk. Of is course. Is that true? Of course. <laughs> rumors that Street Fighter 3 had been released in Japan, asking if that is true. <laughs> So yeah, just so many letters, so much curiosity about this game and, and so much excitement about it. So, of course, the home console version then was highly, highly anticipated and it was released eventually. I mean, eventually it was a pretty quick turnaround, actually, in 1992 on on the Super Nintendo. And again, once it's released, I it can't state enough how frequently this just appeared. I think it had five EGM covers in a row. Oh,
0: my God.
1: And then, you know, and there'd be kind of a gap and then it would appear again on the cover. At least, you know, new tips and tricks for Street Fighter would be mentioned on the cover. It's not
0: even console specific.
1: No, it, this is just how excited people were about this game. Wow. And that's the other thing. It wasn't console specific. And getting Street Fighter first was actually a huge coup for Nintendo. Mm. Is one of the things, Is one of the games that really helped the Super Nintendo compete against the Genesis. Okay. Which did have a head start and at this point was actually winning in sales and partially powered by Street Fighter 2 Nintendo made up a lot of ground.
0: That's so interesting. I I never would have guessed that there was a period where the Genesis was outselling the Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, they like, were
1: they're quite neck and neck and in some I think in some markets, I think in Europe for example, it actually did overall outsell it. Hmm. But again, this was pretty early in the in the Super Nintendo's life, so it it had kind of the early spate of Nintendo games and like a lot of Nintendo systems even now it took a while to start building up the third party um the third-party exclusives that would really draw people to the console. Right. But as I mentioned before, Capcom still needed to incentivize people to go to the arcades. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is that they would more or less release updated or rebalanced versions of the game every year until about 1994.
0: So how does that work if you don't have like the internet to just download a patch?
1: <laughs> I mean, in the, in the case of the arcade, it's new cabinets coming in. So you get Street Fighter 2... Um, Championship Edition.
0: They're sending out all that hardware every year? Yeah. Whoa.
1: And Championship Edition, for example, included the four boss characters as playable characters. Okay. And so you didn't have that at home at the home version. So if right. you wanted to play those characters, you have to get your ass back to the arcade.
0: And you do want to play those characters.
1: And then a year after that, that version would come out on the home console. Okay. <laughs> so you'd have to pay another $70, $80 at that time for a cartridge if you want to play the boss characters. But when that version came out, there'd be another updated version like Street Fighter 2 Turbo mm-hmm. in the arcades, which rebalanced things, added some new moves, up the speed, kind of implemented a lot of changes that fans were asking for. So again, back to the arcades. Yeah. And then after a few years, that version would come out on home consoles. <laughs> and then at that point, another version with new characters would be in the arcades. Right, and right, and right. that cycle continues. So there are so many iterations of Street Fighter 2 okay. to the point where by the time... I think the version that I played the most, so Super Street Fighter 2, came out on home consoles. Even reviewers were getting a little fed up.
0: <laughs> with this cycle?
1: With this cycle, saying, okay, we're sick of paying 80 bucks for a few extra characters. Right. What, what today would amount to kind of like a DLC or, or a patch, but paying full game price. Mm-hmm. And so they actually started docking points on the score, saying, okay, we're just, just give us three. Just give us three. Uh, Street Fighter Three actually didn't come out until 1997. There'd be Whoa. some other games in between, like a Street Fighter Alpha series, okay, which was a spin-off series, and then Street Fighter Alpha Two, which is kind of a cool series that we can maybe we can even look at. But to get a proper numbered Street Fighter Three, that wasn't until 1997. And as you can imagine, though, despite the frequent iterations, these games are almost u- all universally incredibly successful, sold so many copies. The original Street Fighter Two on Super Nintendo sold 6.3 million copies turbo which street fighter 2 turbo which would be the second iteration of it sold another 4.1 million so oh my they're, they're God. selling millions and millions of copies of all of these the genesis version does very well
0: and that's lots of people actually replacing their copy every year i
1: imagine yeah y- it
0: has to be just and, by the numbers and
1: the arcade version by 1995 has pulled over 2 billion dollars holy so again incredibly incredibly influential incredibly popular These games, fighting games, would top the charts. Like, for example, the Nintendo Power power charts, there would be Street Fighter, or one of the versions of Street Fighter would be there pretty much through 1994. I remember when we looked at Super Metroid. Super Metroid came out in 1984 when we were looking at those magazines. Street Fighter was right on the top of those charts Mm -hmm. up until the release of Metroid. And really, it wasn't until the release of Mortal Kombat in 1993 that Street Fighter had any competition. Cool. So when it comes to Mortal Kombat, the two names that you probably need to know uh, for that history are Ed Boon and John Tobias. These are the big names associated with that game. And I feel like
0: I've heard of Ed Boon before. He's
1: still around and still very much attached okay. to to Mortal Kombat. Okay, yeah, not really sure what happened to to Tobias, but <laughs> these guys. I mean, even I knew their names as a kid. They were some of the few American developers whose names were kind of all over the place, and I'd see them on TV. Like I mentioned with that David Perry guy from Shiny from Earthworm Jim. Yep, yeah, these were two other ones who who I whose names I knew. I might have even known these names before I knew like Shigeru Miyamoto. Hmm, wow. Um that's how prominent they were.
0: You were such a Nintendo fanboy.
1: I know, but still <laughs> like they were all over that. Like they were very good at getting their their names out there um, and really owning this game. Anyway, at at this point before Mortal Kombat, they're working at this company called Midway Games. That's an American company that specializes in arcade games. And they pitch a fighting game. It's Cause they see the popularity of Street Fighter 2. And they say that they can probably make something that looks better, because at this point, Midway was experimenting a lot with digitizing human actors, Okay, which you can see how that pays off when you see Mortal Kombat. And then Boone says really their goal was to make a, quote, bad boy version of Street Fighter 2. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
0: I was going to ask what the hell it means to digitize a human actor, but now I just want to hear more about the bad boy <laughs> version of Street <laughs> No, but digitizing
1: the actors just means it's the process of filming real actors. So real actors who would do all the moves Mm -hmm. and then converting that footage into the sprites.
0: So like the, the, is this at all like the motion capture thing where you wear the suit with the balls and everything? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no.
1: Yeah, no, this is. This is, you literally kind of film the actors doing all the moves against a green screen and then take those images and put them into the game. Oh, okay. Whereas like motion capture is you're just kind of capturing the movement of the performance and the animators animate over it. But this is, it's pretty much you're taking like like film footage. Like (laughs) fighting. not quite, but (laughs) closer. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. But the point was that they were going to take these real filmed actors and put them in the game. So you get something that looks human and and lifelike and not animated or cartoon. Right, right, right. I mean, this is a process that was even used in one of your favorite games in Donkey Kong Country, which is why Donkey Kong and and those characters look kind of more lifelike in 3D because those were 3D models that were digitized. Uh, But yeah, that's what they want to do for Mortal Kombat. They want to make it look like real actors so they used real actors and put them in the game and initially for this game they wanted it to star jean-claude van damme and they even wanted to call the game van damme but they couldn't get him <coughs> apparently he, he might have been tied up with another game that's what they were told but then they say that game never came out so who knows okay and so they had to so then they came up with mortal kombat and ended up paying homage to him with the johnny cage character
0: Ah. Uh.
1: And so to to make this and to get there to realize their dream of having these digitized actors, they call in some friends they know from high school who did martial arts. Oh, no. And those are the people who are the characters. Those are the actors in the game who you see, and their likeness was used as the characters. Wow. And it it, it kind of seems even just from that anecdote that this was kind of made in a slapdash manner, and it kind of was. Boone said again and again uh, when he was interviewed after the success of the first one, that it wasn't ever supposed to be a big game. This was just something that was meant to fill a slot on a production schedule. Uh, But they tested it, and when they tested it, it drew huge crowds at the office and in test arcades. So they took an extra six weeks to polish the game, add an extra character, um, who was Sonya, and then they shipped it out in October. But really, this whole thing just took them a little over... 10 months to make. Wow. And so it was a huge, huge arcade hit almost immediately. Like the what they saw in testing really did translate across kind of arcades globally, mm-hmm. and especially North America. And it was the one fighting game that really could compete with Street Fighter. And like Street Fighter is one of those rare arcade games that even video game magazines that were more or less dedicated to consoles started talking about it. And so you'd see EGM, for example, talk about it. They had what they even called one of their rare arcade tips and tricks sections about <laughs> Mortal Kombat, telling readers how to perform what they called the quote-unquote death moves.
0: Okay. <laughs> Is they, that what they were called?
1: Well, I mean, they're their fatalities. They just didn't oh, know I that see. At, the, at, okay. the, at that time. But yeah, this this game blew up, and it blew up for probably a, a, a number of reasons. Um, when reflecting in in 1993, the VP of Creative and Product Development of Acclaim, it's the company that published Mortal Kombat for home consoles. Um, their VP, Paul Simulski says that for him, what it was about Mortal Kombat that he thinks makes it so popular was the realism. Hmm. He says that when he was looking around at all the other fighting games that were coming out after the popularity of Street Fighter 2, after you had this kind of explosion of fighting games in the arcade, said so you look around the arcade, some fighting games would have, quote, big funny characters, some have big tough animated characters, but none of them gave you that feeling that these characters were real. Hmm. He says that Mortal Kombat did this through their realistic digitized graphics. That, that might be one reason that it kind of looks so much different than anything else in the arcades. But of course, there's also the the violence, the, <laughs> the fatalities, especially, were such a big draw. Like um, the
0: gruesomeness of all that.
1: Yeah. And 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 the secrets. And I mean, secrets and fatalities go hand in hand, right? These kind of secret end moves that were just so enticing. You just would kind of want to see them happen. So what's really interesting about the fatalities is that they grew out of Boone and Tobias's frustration with the dizzy state in Street Fighter. So this is something you can look forward to, that When you're playing Street Fighter, sometimes when you get hit with a certain move, your character will enter a dizzy state where they're unable to move for a few seconds Uh. and they just kind of are (laughs) wide open to getting hit. And Boone and Tobias hated this one and found it kind of really humiliating. And so they decided that at the end, whoever was the loser would just be put into a dizzy state and the other and the winner could just go and, you know, inflict the final move on them.
0: So wait, did they make this because they were bad at Street Fighter? And it made them feel bad about losing in public.
1: (laughs) But that's really where this came from. And then they said, oh, Wait, so they
0: thought it would be less humiliating to be like frozen and then have like a finishing move put on you? Well, I
1: I think at that point it was to empower the winner.
0: Huh. Okay.
1: And then it, yeah. And then it evolved into, (laughs) I mean, you've already lost at that point, right? It's not during, it's not during the match. And then, then that idea evolved into, okay, what if we could actually do special moves at the end? instead of just a regular move to this character in the dizzy state. And then it lets the winner get in kind of one final shot um, in spectacular fashion if you know the right inputs. Right. If you've fa- gone and Read bought the, the magazines. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Mortal Kombat explodes at the arcades. And of course, it's going to get a home edition. And so as I mentioned, Acclaim was the company that that got the rights to publish the home editions. And they just pumped so much money into it and into advertising it. Where they had a huge marketing campaign all around this um, concept of what they called Mortal Monday, Hmm. which was that the game was going to come out on Monday, September 13th, 1993. That was going to be Mortal Monday. It was going to come out on pretty much every console at the time. Like it it was out on Genesis, Super Nintendo, Game Gear, Game Boy.
0: Wow. Game Boy. There goes your your realistic (laughs) digital people.
1: (laughs) And it was one of these huge coordinated movie-like releases, which were really rare for the time. And they put out what has since become this really iconic commercial promoting Mortal Monday, right? That starts, and I, I showed this to you, so could, so feel free to share your thoughts. But it starts out with this kid yelling "Mortal Kombat" in the streets.
0: Three shots per second. It's the <laughs> fastest edited thing I have ever seen.
1: Yeah, and then it's just like mobs. It's like of what am I seeing? Rushing together, and then that that voice that that kind of more the adult m- the Mortal Kombat voice. Yeah, do you want to do it?
0: Mortal Kombat. Sure, <laughs> like I have a woman's voice. I can't, I can't do
1: it. <laughs> and then you get this that techno music with, uh, dun,
0: dun, 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 but dun, not dun.
1: The, but not that not song. that one though. It just it's yeah they're just like playing with the idea of techno music for this commercial that then actually becomes kind of a thing later. Yeah, just with rapid shots of of the game, and then it ends with that date, September thirteenth, nineteen ninety three, Mortal Monday, and so. It, and, and yeah, this kind of coordinated release, as I said, was really rare for the time. But something that I think we take for granted now—that game releases are treated almost like movie releases
0: anyway—but
1: mm-hmm. uh, definitely wasn't at that time. And it really did pay off. This—it it ended up being one of the biggest home releases of all time. Wow. Uh, though acclaim did kind of get upset because some stores started selling the games early. This was something that happened <laughs> in the past where they get their shipment and they get their shipment, they like, start putting on the shelves, and just completely ruined the Mortal Monday concept. Wow. <laughs>
0: They're lucky they didn't have the internet at that point
1: <laughs> yeah and as and of course as part of the hype cycle magazines start getting previews of the game in early 1993 start seeing screenshots um, an interesting thing is that one of the things that the magazines were wondering about was whether the violence and the gore would be present in the home versions hmm. and egm even predicted that the super nintendo ver- version would be nerfed in some way The in in this case they guess that nintendo would ask to for all the fatalities to be removed because they knew Nintendo did have a policy for screening violence. And what actually did happen was that the Super Nintendo version ended up being nerfed, and a bunch of fatalities were changed. There was no blood in it. Hmm. The Genesis version, on the other hand, in some ways was the superior version, because it did include all of the fatalities and all of the blood and violence from the arcade. But in order to access the uncensored arcade version with all the fatalities and the blood players on the Genesis would have to input a secret code. Oh. Uh, But the game was pretty transparent about the fact that there was a code for you to input. So on the the code entry screen, you get this wall of text upon booting up the game. And it just tells the player, this is the screen. The word code has many different (laughs) definitions. The Shaolin Martial Arts Tournament is governed by a system of rules of conduct, an ethical code. Then it goes on to describe a code of honor. And then it continues... Another type of code could be defined as an arbitrary system of symbols or letters for transmitting messages. A secret code. Mortal Kombat <laughs> adheres to many codes, but does it contain one?
0: <laughs> it's like, kid, this is your time. <laughs> yeah. This is your spot.
1: Yeah, and the, and the code itself was, or became incredibly well known. It was relatively easy to remember. It was Abacab, A-B-A-C-A-B-B. Okay. Um, which is... Pretty easy mnemonic as far as codes go. It was also a reference to an album by the band Genesis, so it connects back to the Sega Genesis. Ah. really clever. I guess. But yeah, Sega and the developers just put this in the game, but really wanted to keep it secret, keep it under wraps, not promote it, because they were kind of worried about incurring the wrath of parental groups or politicians, okay. as we'll talk about more in a second. Uh, So they really just relied on the power of the gaming rumor mill and word of mouth, even pre-internet. I mean, I think there were some like Usenet boards at this okay. point, but just knew that, you know, somebody would stumble upon this, feed it to a magazine, and all the magazines would go crazy and print this. Hmm. And so there's just that reliance on that system and and kind of how rumors spread within the gaming community Um that Sega relied on and, and it, it worked. Um, kind of everybody knew about this code relatively quickly. So yeah, the Genesis version just became known as the real home version of Mortal Kombat. Okay. Even though in a lot of ways it looked, it didn't look as good as the Super Nintendo version, it didn't play as well, but that was the version with all the material that you the really point, want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's also the home version that really got Mortal Kombat in hot water from the politicians. Okay. Politicians don't really pay attention to what's going on in the arcades, but as the story goes, in this case, what happened is that the home release of Mortal Kombat ended up drawing the attention of parents' groups and legislators, caught the attention especially of Joe Lieberman when his chief of staff told him about this game that his son was playing, which Mm -hmm. was Mortal Kombat, and Joe Lieberman kind of freaked out when he heard about this.
0: (laughs) This kind of makes sense because if you like drop your kid off at the arcade and have no and pick them up two hours later, you have no idea what they're doing. But like, I'm picturing like doing fatalities and like your mom walks through the room exactly. with a thing of laundry and is like, "What is that?" You know?
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what happened. And there was a lot of concern over its violence. Mortal Kombat was one of the main games discussed during the congressional hearings over violent video games. Okay. And uh, yeah, I do think we should watch and maybe respond to this one day. I would love to. Especially because Nintendo was super smug during these hearings due oh, to the no. fact that they had censored the game.
0: <laughs> They're like, we are ready to get, we're fulfilling our responsibility.
1: Yeah, and, and how like garbage Sega did not. Mm. Yeah, there there's some really fun back and forth with Nintendo and Sega both in the room.
0: I would love to do that.
1: Um, and Mortal Kombat is... One of the games that does eventually lead to the creation of the SRB. Hmm. So incredibly popular game, incredibly influential game culturally and in terms of games itself. And with Street Fighter became one of the two big fighting games. This is where people had to start picking side. Okay. Over are you a Street Fighter person? Are you a Mortal Kombat person? These games knew that they were each other's major competition and were not shy about it. The games would be released close to each other so they could directly compete. For example, the Street, the Genesis version of the Street Fighter, came out pretty much the same time that Mortal Kombat was being released in 1993. Uh, there's a commercial for the Genesis version of the Street Fighter that has like Blanca's hand come out and squash the the case of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Um, there was also a Street Fighter comic book at the time, and Acclaim, the publisher of the Mortal Kombat Home Editions, bought a ton of ads for Mortal oh, Kombat no. in the Street Fighter comic book <laughs> and included quotes about how, for example, one quote would say, quote, Mortal Kombat, earmarked to whip Street Fighter 2 into the pit where has-beens fester. Oh, my like, God. So with these, yeah, this these jabs like at the other. borderline
0: flirtatious. They're like <laughs> loving that. This. this is like both of them thriving. Oh, absolutely. On, right. Yeah. They
1: both kind of benefit from it. Yeah. And then the really big showdown once both of these franchises were really established, pitted Super Street Fighter 2 against Mortal Kombat 2. And so both of these games came out in the arcade in 1993, and then they were released on home console very close to one another in 1994. Super Street Fighter 2 was released in July, and Mortal Kombat 2 was released in September. People were incredibly excited for both of these games. Super Street Fighter 2 had four new characters. The First all-new characters since the original. Oh, right. And the first all-new playable characters since Street Fighter II Championship Edition. On the other hand, Mortal Kombat had five new characters in the sequel. Each character now had multiple finishers. The game played much faster. It looked much better. There was a new combo system. And Mortal Kombat 2 is really the game where I got hooked on this series. Okay. I remember walking into a local 7-Eleven, some convenience store near me. I think it was a 7-Eleven. And seeing that cabinet. And again, it came out of nowhere because this is the point where I had no idea when arcade cabinets were sure, going to pop up sure, sure, sure. anywhere. And who knew especially what arcade cabinets the Seven Eleven was going to yeah. get? <laughs> yeah. But one day I walked in and I see that just on the side of the cabinet, that Mortal Kombat emblem, that dragon logo. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's in like a rough bronze like cutout. Like, yeah.
1: And I remember seeing somebody play as Katana. Mm-hmm. And use the fans and use her fan to lift up the opponent and throwing the fans. And I was hooked. Like, I fell in love <laughs> with that game that day. There's just something so enticing about watching that game being played. And I became obsessed with Mortal Kombat 2.
0: Did you play Katana when you finally got it?
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's still my favorite character in the game. Oh, nice. Yeah. Katana Molina are my two favorite characters in that game. And I definitely would have picked Katana first. Nice. Nice. But yeah, I would I buy all the magazines. I kind of knew everybody's fatality before I got the game. I was I was prepared.
0: How is that fun anyway?
1: Well, you have to get the book to know them.
0: But before you even start playing it,
1: yeah, you have to prepare. This
0: is not relatable
1: to me. You have to prepare. Okay, you have to. Know <laughs> I it. believe you. I believe you. And it's seeing a crappy little screenshot and actually seeing it performed in the game are two completely different things.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: But both of these games were really the epitome of their series at this time. I still think that Mortal Kombat 2 might be the best Mortal Kombat. Hmm. Possibly, uh, maybe not until the more recent ones, like with 9 and kind of the reboot of the series, but definitely up, that, up till that time. And same for St- Super Street Fighter 2, at least in terms of what was released on the home consoles, that was kind of the best version of Street Fighter 2 that you could possibly have. And the other thing here about Mortal Kombat is this time, the Super Nintendo version, and again, I, I was a Nintendo kid, the Super Nintendo version was uncensored. Mm. There's a number of stories about why this might be. It might have been a reaction to lower sales for the original. so they're like, okay, we'll actually just put the blood sure. in and get our sales up um, on the part of Nintendo. Or it's just a reaction to the fact that the ESRB rating system will be implemented very shortly. And so in this case, the the rating system didn't go into effect until pretty much shortly after Mortal Kombat 2's home release. But all the boxes did carry a, a kind of a parental warning. Okay. And pretty much ever since then, these games have been kind of linked as two of the biggest fighting game franchises of all time at this point in time there were two of the most popular games the arcades in the 90s you had to pick where your mortal kombat kid <laughs> or you street fighter kid even though everybody kind of played them both right. you still want to identify with one okay and so that's what uh, we're gonna ask you to do next episode
0: and so you became a mortal kombat kid i take it i think i oscillated oh
1: yeah I think I, w- I went back and forth depending on the month. Okay. But I definitely started as a Mortal Kombat kid. Okay. For sure. We'll take a little break. And when we come back, we got to do the most important thing. You got to pick your character. You got to pick your starter. <laughs> All right. When you first boot up a fighting game, maybe the most important decision that you make is which character you choose first. As we spoke about earlier, finding a character that really works with your playstyle is is essential. You really want to form a bond with your character, and you might not get it right the first time, but there is that decision that you have to make immediately. Who are you going to try out first? And so, let's look at the character select screens and help you make this decision now. So what we're going to do is we're going to okay. show you the character select screens for the two games, and I'll let you ask me any three questions per game.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. I get three, whatever I'm about to see, I get three questions about it to help me make a gut level decision who I'm going to start with.
1: Yeah, because otherwise you're going to be at that character select screen. You're going to waste minutes, hours, just poring over the characters, trying to figure out who you're going to pick. We may as well get that out of the way right now. Okay. Okay. So I gave you the character select screen for Super Street Fighter 2, because that will give you, even if we play different versions, all of the possible characters you'd be able to play. Okay. So let's look at that first. And if there's anything that just jumps out immediately, feel free to to let me know.
0: So this is more, for some reason, this is more characters than I was expecting. Uh, I, oh my God, for a second, I thought uh, Dawson's name was Dualism because of the <laughs> font, and I was like, what are we doing? Um, This is quite a range. Okay, so now I get to ask three questions, right?
1: Yeah, so some of these characters you recognize from stuff we've looked mm-hmm. at, and I think as we were going through, you kind of jogged your memory that oh yeah, I do know more Street Fighter characters than you thought you did.
0: Yeah, yeah. I want to know... Who has the longest reach?
1: Oh, that's very easy. Not even close. Dalsam.
0: Okay. Oh, does he have like a Mister? In- this is not one. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to ask because I don't want that to be one of the questions. Yeah, these are rules. Yeah, exactly. Um, what is the bottom half of Cammy's outfit?
1: <laughs> well, that's that's like a, a one piece that she's wearing. Uh, so the bottom is it half, a
0: bodysuit or a jumpsuit? Okay, which bo- one
1: shows her ass? Because it's that one.
0: <laughs> okay, so it's like a bathing suit. Yes, that's uh, a bodysuit.
1: Okay, okay, yeah, it is. It is very revealing.
0: Okay, um, and you can also
1: ask lore questions too.
0: I I know what gameplay my options lore
1: are. whatever is important to you. Uh,
0: is M Bison Loki a Nazi? Kind of. He's he's a dictator. Okay,
1: he's the main villain.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, Those were my three questions.
1: Okay. I Maybe that was helpful. I I think you squandered those questions, but now you have no, to make No,
0: all of these things were actually okay. very important to me. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so now you have to make a decision.
0: Who uh, are you
1: going to play as first and why?
0: So I think my first choice is going to be E Honda, because I love a big boy. Okay, I like the absolute beastly you, expression he's got on. Here. You just want to see if it's true. If you can see his junk. Uh, no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I want to say that I really gave some thought, and uh, you know, our our sort of on deck characters are definitely Chun Li, and uh, probably. Sagat. Okay. Or Saget. I'm going to say that's Sagat. I just can't call that Saget. <laughs> like Bob Sagat. Uh, yeah, no. I, w- I won't be saying it that. Is, it is Sagat. Yeah, okay. Okay. So those are, yeah. Okay.
1: So what are you expecting from E-Honda when Honda when you select him? What okay. kind of character? What kind I'm of I'm expecting
0: not a ton of nimbleness. Like okay. I think-, I think part, <laughs> What gave it away? <laughs> I think part of why someone like him appeals to me is I picture myself being- a little slower figuring out starter controls. So I don't know if like dodging is a big thing in this game or if it's more of like a blocking and aggro play style. I don't picture myself being good at dodging right away. And I picture this guy being someone who would be built to tank a bit, like okay. to, to like take a hit and and keep dishing, you know? And I think that's okay. who I got to be when I'm starting out.
1: Okay. That's a good rationale. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start with E-Honda. Yeah. Okay, let's swap over. I gave you- Shout a- out to
0: Chun-Li and Sagat.
1: Let's swap over to the Mortal Kombat 2 character select screen. Okay. So we probably will play a little bit of Mortal Kombat 1. I think we'll stick primarily to 2 for a bunch of reasons. It's just a better game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are two noticeable om- omissions here. One of whom is a character I don't think you know. Okay. Um Kano, you haven't mentioned him.
0: Oh, I know Kano. He's oh, got do? the like he's got the metal over one eye, like the Terminator kind right. of.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh, Sonya Blade is not in two.
0: And I mentioned Sonya Blade already. Yeah, who you yeah. do know. So okay.
1: those are not represented here. Okay. But of this cast of characters, who's who's standing out? And what are your questions?
0: My question, my first question is what's the deal with the orc guy?
1: What's the deal with the orc guy? Yeah. So his name is Baraka. Okay. And he's a race known as the Tarkatan. Okay. Which is why he looks like that. Sure. And his thing that is not represented on the character select screen image is that he has blades on his hands.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: A lot of his techniques are blade related.
0: Got it. Who here has the... I'm being careful about my question, my wording, because of the genie factor that I know you're going to lean into <laughs> if you can. Who has the most versatile ranged attack?
1: Ooh, versatile ranged attack. That's tricky. I'm going to say either Melina mm-hmm. or Liu Kang. Okay. In that order.
0: Like Melina first.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, there are some characters who are, I think, equally versatile. Again, I'm not a pro. This yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of whose ranged attacks I use the most, Molina.
0: Okay. Who is the uh black bandana kung fu looking guy that's not uh, Liu Kang? And how does he differ from Liu Kang?
1: The black bandana kung fu guy. Oh, between that's, Sub-Zero That's and- Shang Tsung.
0: Oh. Oh, okay. And and I guess the other important part of my question is how does he... How different is he... Or how does he play differently than Liu Kang?
1: Do you know Shang Tsung's power?
0: Because uh,
1: technically, he could play exactly the same as Liu Kang.
0: Oh, does he like mirror people? Is that his deal? He like steals their moves? That's another question. That's the fourth question. I hate this genie.
1: I already told you too much. I'm not the best genie.
0: Okay. Baraka. Oh. <laughs> straight up okay hell yeah
1: whoa okay why
0: i like his mean ass face <laughs> I like that he's got swords for hands okay I, I just vibe with him i vibe with baraka in this wow he, he's the beast i want to be in this game
1: Wow. unexpected underdog pick does he suck baraka. who
0: did you think i was gonna pick one of the ninjas okay or i'll tell you the the two the oh do you mean uh sub-zero scorpion i was ninja. gonna say
1: one of the male ninjas and then one of the female ninjas second i thought you were gonna pick one of the ninjas
0: okay you're not your instinct is not bad they are all on the list of characters that i will try the ones that i'm least stoked can i do my least interested <laughs> sure. in? johnny cage i don't give a shit the one to the left of johnny cage whatever's up with that guy's hat kung lao I'm not into it.
1: Okay. Do you want to guess what's up with his hat?
0: Blades. On the rim. Brim of blades. That's what I'm guessing.
1: That that's correct. This is, is not an official prediction. Correct? That's actually correct.
0: Holy shit. It's a hat-based offense. That's not as good as Baraka's <laughs> finger blades. Honestly, I'm not that drawn to Liu Kang either, even though he's the even though I understand he's like super versatile and also one of, like, the face characters of this.
1: So as you saw, both games have a Bruce Lee ripoff character. Yeah, Luke yeah, yeah, here yeah, And Fei Long in the other. Yeah. Which do you think is going to be the superior Bruce Lee character?
0: Liu Kang. Okay. I got to figure. Okay. But also, I don't think I'll know the answer until we really see. So, no, I'm going to hold back on saying that because I don't actually know how much lore there is or how much lore I'm going to learn from playing these games. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, you're not wrong about the the ninja class being probably something I'm going to play around with.
1: Yeah, the my my top two characters, Melina and Katana.
0: Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, that I, makes sense.
1: I, I'm usually drawn to the women in the games. Like I always like playing as them generally. Sure. And this these these are both very good characters. Which
0: one uses the fans? Katana. Katana, right. Oh, Melina has like those those trident weapons, right? Like the the sides, little short. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. You need to know a lot about this game.
0: Yeah. Oh uh, listen, I played it a little bit back in the day.
1: We'll see. But yeah, we'll see how well you do on the predictions later, the official predictions.
0: I just want to be a monster always. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now that you've selected your
0: characters, we have to
1: lay the groundwork for this big showdown that we're staging right. between these two games. Because this really is going to be a competition. We'll talk about both games on the next episode, but we really want to compare them with each other, and I want you to come out with a winner. If you put yourself in the 90s, are you Team Street Fighter or Team Mortal Kombat? Okay. And so you've prepared, I guess, some criteria that you're going to use to judge these games? Yes. So would you share that with us so we can know more about what you're looking for in, in these fighting games?
0: I would be happy to. Okay. First criteria, characters. Okay. Um, so under this, that's going to come down to the design of the characters, the variations between them. uh. And just how appealing their cast is to me.
1: Okay. Does that include lore?
0: Um. I think lore is... Because lore is such a powerful category for me, I think you're going to see lore disperse mm. through some of these. Okay. It's like too overpowered to just be one okay. thing by itself.
1: Okay. So characters.
0: Characters. Two. Uh. Well-placed difficulty thresholds. So I want mm. both immediacy and depth in the fight mechanics. So what I mean by that is... Like we were saying earlier with games, where it's fun that like you can sit down with someone who hasn't played before, and within like an hour or two, you can be you know having fun together. I want that threshold, and then I also want to start to get a feel for what is potentially there for people who really, really know these games in the single player, uh, and in and in versus. I want to I want to be mm. able to reasonably get to a threshold where I can have a good time, okay, and then I also want to have a sense that there's depth. Okay. That I'm probably not going to get to all of it, but I want to know that it's there.
1: Okay, so we have characters, and then I guess we can call this, yeah, difficulty and depth.
0: Yeah. Okay. Third, vibes. So this is uh, this is going to be a category that pulls from a couple of different areas. These are not scientific criteria. I am not a scientist. This is like, how does music and art style and like, honestly, the, the UX and like, okay, the general, attitude of the game okay, come together. Okay, general aesthetic vibes is not the same as aesthetic though exactly well, i mean it's it's it like is in clothes, terms of
1: but the like emotional response you have to the aesthetic
0: yeah i think that's the thing is like the framing it in terms of vibes i think gives me makes me feel like i have more permission to prioritize the one that i like here okay. as you know it's it's okay. like how it vibes with me not just does it have a an objectively okay. good sure, aesthetic sure, sure. number four um I'm gonna judge them on how they make progression visible and felt. I want these games to, so I know these aren't like RPG. You know, I'm, there's no mm-hmm. skill, tree, you know, all that stuff. I still want these games to have thought through a way to make me understand when I'm getting better, and that can be either just through, you know, that doesn't have to be an explicit.
1: Okay, this one might be challenging because if we play multiple games in a series, different games within the series. I think do that better than others. Okay. And yeah, I mean, so- I can only
0: judge what I'm seeing. So it's these two. We've said what two games. Well, no, here. we're going to be playing multiple games in the series. Oh, I see. I see, I see. Well, okay, at least that's something that that's know that that's something that's on my okay. mind and I'm interested in it and I'm going to be watching for it. Number 5 is onboarding. I'm going to be judging both of these games in how exactly they they do or don't make any attempt to onboard new players into the experience
1: okay are you going to read a manual
0: if i have to
1: because these this is before the uh tutorial days
0: yeah i know um but the thing is there's ways to onboard that aren't just tutorials right so i think yeah i'll read the manuals if there are appropriate manuals that make sense for for what i'm doing like if there are manuals for the specific editions that we're playing yeah there that's are manuals fine. for all the games okay um, All games
1: used to come with manuals, and we'd read them in the car. I'm We've not been really over this.
0: internalizing this. <laughs>
1: it was my the part. best part of the game: was reading my, the manual. My
0: worldview hasn't updated to incorporate this information and getting the strategy guide. <laughs> okay, I'm not reading strategy guides oh my God. straight up. So you're not going to know any of the moves. Okay, so onboarding is something. Uh, number six is surprises. I couldn't possibly tell you what will be in this category because it is surprises. I wanna be surprised by things in, in either one of these games. And seventh is quite simply the X factor. <laughs> sometimes in a game, all this stuff comes together into something special and delicious and like so good. And sometimes games have good elements and they still don't come together and click in that in that really special way. So the last category is really just like, do they do the DM thing or not?
1: The last category. Is clearly there. So if there's a tie, you have the seventh category to just pick a winner of the one you want them to win.
0: How dare you? This is the this is more like
1: I see right through your strategy here.
0: <laughs> I mean, part of this will be about what what produces the most fun overall experience. Like what's the where does my relationship end up with both of these? So that's that's the X factor.
1: Okay, we'll we'll go with that. I mean, I let you come up with the criteria. I should have known I think based we've
0: established on... that I'm excellent at scoring <laughs> things.
1: <laughs> okay, let's do some more scientific predictions. Okay, we have... <laughs> all right. <laughs> My predictions are flawless. <laughs> okay, some things I, w- I, I would like to get your, your takes on. Okay. So as we mentioned, Kano and Sonya aren't in Mortal Kombat 2. Right. Why not?
0: Uh, They are... They're both military people, I think. So I'm going to guess they are uh, like either AWOL or missing or like presumed dead or something after having been on a military mission.
1: Okay. A lot of characters in these games have some deep lore, okay. a lot of secrets. But what is Melina's secret?
0: Um, I think Melina's secret is that she has like a monster face. Like she's um, like, I think she's not human under there. Like she, because she's all covered up, right? And she projects this like feminine beauty. Um,
1: Does Katana have a secret? Shit, I don't know. Okay, we'll move on. We'll okay, move on. okay, we'll okay, move okay, on.
0: okay. That was my answer. That was my answer for for Melina
1: in Street Fighter. Will you defeat Shang Long?
0: Uh, y- yes.
1: Which of the following can you not do? And this includes all of the games that we could potentially play. Okay. So any any Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter up to and including Mortal Kombat 2 and Super Street Fighter 2. Okay. Okay. So what of these can you not do? Break a car. Turn your opponent into a baby. Here's some sweet techno music. Produce a rainbow. Baby. Okay. Yeah. Which of the following can you only do in one of the series? Hmm. So it's either in Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter you can do...
0: But not both. But
1: not both, yeah. Throw a fireball, electrocute your opponent, wall jump, or fight a clone of yourself?
0: I'm going to say fight a clone of yourself. Okay. Yeah. I bet you don't wall jump in either, but that's a side bet. That's not a main prediction.
1: In Street Fighter, will you actually fight on a street? (laughs) Yes. And this is, this has to be a street ass street.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we know what a street is.
1: Okay. Now I want you to pick one character from each game uh-huh. and tell me why you think they're entering the tournament.
0: Oh, um, I think.
1: And if you would ask me a question about lore, this could have, this could have been an easy gimme for the prediction.
0: No, but... no, no. I'm I'm happy with what I used my questions for. Okay, I think Zangief. Zangief. Okay. Zangief. Um,
1: Vodka Gorbovsky.
0: Yep, uh, is a assassin Russian mobster type that was sent to the U.S. to, or is this in the U.S.? I don't know. So I'm going to say sent to this uh, <laughs> to take out one specific other person who is also in the tournament. Who is it? I don't know.
1: O- okay, that's come a on. Half that's answer. pretty specific. Okay, okay, okay. And
0: now your Mortal Kombat. Okay, Scorpion. I think he is a like a demigod. Like I think he's not human exactly, and I think he has to win this tournament to like be absolved of some kind of like curse or condition imposed upon him. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my guess for not now. bad.
1: Yeah. Okay. Great. Sounds good. I guess we're ready to start playing these games. We know who. We know who you'll be selecting first. Mm-hmm. So we'll get E-Honda ready. We'll get Baraka ready.
0: You're so incredulous about my Baraka I pick. Can't,
1: that might have been the last person I would have I like predicted. a brute.
0: I just like a brute.
1: Well, we'll see how you do. Okay.
0: Okay, that's going to do it for us. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. You can tell a friend. We really appreciate that. Um, and you can find uh, episode details and show notes at neverwasagamer.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Never Was a Gamer.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time when Michelle will have played as Baraka because that's <laughs> going to bring her one step closer to becoming <laughs> a gamer.